How's it going, everyone? This is Jason Navarro. You're listening to Tongues Out Podcast, and let's just jump right into it. So I want to talk about Alexander Hamilton today. Um, one of the things on my bucket list I wanted to get done was to see the play um, in New York. Never had a chance to do it, but luckily for anyone that had a Disney Plus uh, subscription today, they released a play for anyone to watch. Obviously, it's not as good as watching the play live, but uh, it was still phenomenal. It was such a great experience to watch. Being that uh, I love history, uh, just watching the course of just all of that done in a play format, but just I, I always knew how the intro started. Like I, I've cheated my way to being able to see how the intro starts in the play, but I never expected just the amount of um, – Lin-Manuel Miranda, by the way, is the guy that created this play. And he plays Alexander Hamilton. He's from Puerto Rico. And, man, what a great rapper. That guy, I don't, uh, I guess, would he be considered a rapper or not? There's just a lot of hip-hop in, in the play. And it's so awesome to watch. And just the 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 rhythm to it and the, and the rhyming and just all of it, just the, the choreography. Um. King George, the guy that played King George was just hilarious. Um, but I just love how they just threw a, a twist into everything because the most of the, the actors that they're playing in history were white people, but a lot in this play is um, is played by minority people like Hispanics and, and African-Americans. So it's cool to watch that in a play format. Um, I already knew kind of where the ending was just because I, I, pre- I want to actually, so I know what happened to Alexander Hamilton. I knew his position. So, and this is going to be what this podcast is really going to be talking about um, is a reflection on just, I, I'm going to have to change who my favorite historical figure is. I think, I don't know. This is a, kind of a tough one. So I've always looked up to George Washington um, George Washington, uh, I've talked about him in a, in a past podcast. I'm not even entirely sure which one it was that I talked about him in, but essentially, obviously most people should know this, but he was our first president. Um, but what a lot of people don't know was that his military career started really early in the, um, uh, the French and Indian war, which happened before, the Revolutionary War. So essentially what happened was colonists kept having uh, issues moving west. There was a lot of Native Americans that just uh, would not allow the colonists to move west. Speaking of which, it is so sad what we did to Native Americans. Obviously, we could not be here if it wasn't for those atrocities. But a lot of our history really is based off of the, the massacre of hundreds of thousands of natives pretty much and, and reducing them to nothing but small pockets of what they used to be. Anyways, that, that in itself should be a podcast that we talk about in the future, but essentially colonists wanted to move further West and they didn't have the ability to do that because a native Americans were in the area and B the French uh, who own a majority of the central part of the United States at the time just didn't want to allow the British to move into that area. Eventually colonists just kind of got fed up with this and Europe during this time period was always going to war with each other. It was either Spain versus Britain versus France 
versus Portugal, and it was one of like the two versus two or three versus one. It was always like a format like that. And essentially, the UK was kind of looking for a reason to flex itself onto someone. And so the UK pretty much realized what the issue was with the colonists, and they used that as an excuse to pretty much declare war on France. And at the time, George Washington was one of the first uh, commanders. He was a scout at the time, and he's like scouted out a whole bunch of forts out in the West. And he made a name for himself because uh, one of the, his first experiences was he uh, was getting engaged by uh, this was like after he had done like a lot of scouting, and this was like after the war started. But I think in his first battle, speaking of George Washington. This guy was like six foot two, I believe. Like he was like six foot something, which at the time was really tall for people. So he was already like a like a a standing figure to a lot of people. And so he his first commanding regiment that he had into battle, he would run into battle, like charge into battle with his troops, and his horse got shot out from underneath him. And he still uh, got up and like was completely fine. Of course, his horse was dead. But this guy's just been nonstop, just always in the front line of battle. And so after the French uh, Indian War ended and we had pretty much defeated the French, they kind of moved themselves towards like the like to Canada. We tried to get into Canada, but it just never happened. So the French pretty much owned all of Canada and all of the middle part of the United States. After that war ended, we pretty much had an alliance with them. So they they kind of moved a little bit further west. And um, we were able to start kind of colonizing into that region. It was still pretty difficult because Native Americans just didn't appreciate the the fact that, you know, colonists were moving to the area. But anyways, this is all about Alexander Hamilton and, and George Washington. I just wanted to flex my, my historical knowledge a little bit there. No, but seriously, though... Um, you know, after the Revolutionary War, we won't go into too much detail about that, but pretty much everyone knows with the help of the French, we we won and gained our independence. And at the time, before the, our modern-day Constitution was in place, we had something called the Articles of, of Confederation or the Articles, Articles of Federation? Articles of Confederation. Woo! I think it was Articles of Confederation. Yes, sorry. I don't know why I wanted to say federation, but yeah, it was the Articles of Confederation. So this was like the uh, first constitution that we came up with, but it was so weakly written. Uh, they missed out on a lot of different things. And pretty much uh, there was no central government. When I say central government, there was no like like the what we consider the government nowadays. So like a majority of the powers were held by each individual state. So imagine like every state was its own little country and they all kind of ruled amongst each other, but they kind of knew that they were in alliance with one another. And, but there was just, it was all convoluted and it didn't work out. And so there was a lot of rebellion that happened. We were in debt, but there was no way of paying off the national debt because there was really no national government. It was kind of weird how it worked out initially. And finally, uh, the states just kind of, they realized that this system wasn't going to work, and so they drafted the, the original Constitution. And um, when they were drafting the Constitution, 
the whole part about the executive branch and the executive branch is the president pretty much the president's the the leader of the executive branch and then it moves down from there from like his cabinet to the vice president to governors to mayors to police so in the military in the military is all like part of the executive branch of the military or of the government excuse me and when the drafters of the constitution were were coming up with you know that part of the constitution which is i think like one of like one of the first parts of the constitution is describing the executive branch the whole, all, pretty much all the drafters had george washington in mind so the whole part of like the president's the powers have evolved over time but a lot of the things that make the president what he is like the commander in chief the the head of the executive branch and some of the traditions that the presidents do nowadays like the state of the union and only serving two terms um like the two term thing didn't become a actually law it wasn't an actual law or put into um as an amendment until after Franklin Delano Roosevelt, like after the 1950 period, because he almost served four terms. He died three and a half terms in and everyone was like, yeah, we think president should probably serve a maximum of two terms. But George Washington was the first president to, after serving, he only wanted to serve one term and actually the people, when they were drafting the Constitution, they didn't want, know officially what they wanted to name the leader of the executive branch. Some thought to call him king. Some thought to call him um, general. A lot of different names. But instead, George Washington was like, you know, I just want to be called, or I think the, the leader of that position should be called president. Because, you know, we represent the states, and the the head of the executive branch isn't the leader of the country per se. Like, he doesn't have all the power. He's not a dictator. He's just the head of that branch of government. And so there's a, uh, our government was made in a way where not one branch of government was more, wasn't supposed to be more powerful than the other. Like each one was supposed to be a checks and balances to each other. And so he was like, why not just call me president? Almost like the leader of a club. And I mean, president at the time wasn't really a big title. It was just like, like I said, just like the, the way to describe just the head of a, of a gentleman's club. And so they were like, okay, you know, let's, let's name it president. So he, he even came up with a term for how we recognize the, the head of the executive branch. He wanted to only serve one term, but at the time there was still, the country was still being developed and there was a lot of issues still with like states wanting to rebel against the, the actual constitution. Some states felt that the federal government had too much power over the state governments and even George Washington's cabinet, Thomas Jefferson, believed in states having more power than the federal government. And Alexander Ham- Hamilton, speaking of him, this is the first time we're going to bring him up. He actually favored more of a stronger federal government. And he believed that a stronger federal government would ensure a united form of the states, you know, pretty much the states being united at that point. Um and so George Washington finally, out of reluctance, served a second term. But he said, after the second term, I'm walking away. And up to this point in history, in every other country prior to then, when a leader, the only way a leader was ever replaced, it was always because of a death. 
It never happened where a leader gave up or they got abducted or not abducted, but they got taken over by an enemy country pretty much. So they got invaded or they died, one or the other. That was the only way a leader got replaced back in the day. But we were the first, one of the first countries, I think, ever. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard of a country where this was the case, but we were one of the first countries where um, essentially George Washington stepped down as president and then whoever got elected next uh, replaced him as president. And a lot of people take that for granted nowadays, but back then that was a huge deal because, I mean, when you talk about Europe and all the rest of the countries out there in South America and Europe and Asia, all of them were headed by either a king, a dictator, or um, some tribal leader pretty much. And so for them to see this kind of system where people got elected and got replaced was just weird to them. I mean, obviously nowadays we see that all the time with most European countries, there's no longer the power of, of royalty ruling over them. It's all pretty much all democracies. But that was, you know, something that we created. Um, one of the reasons why a lot of people do look up to the United States because we were one of the first ones to believe in elected officials. Um, George Washington also, um, you know, he served the two terms left. He came up with the idea for State of the Union. He wanted to keep the country up to date about what the federal government was doing because, you know, at the time the, the capital was in New York City, but they wanted to relocate it somewhere. And so the the president wanted to be able to inform everyone in all the 13 original colonies kind of what was going on and what the plans were. And so it was his idea to always do this every single year at the beginning of his, uh, at the beginning of the year to do it. So that was another thing that he started. Uh, obviously, the, we know that the president's in charge of the military, but that again was something that was based off of George Washington because he was the commander in chief during uh, the Revolutionary War when we were fighting against the British to gain our independence. And so they figured, well, I mean, the head of the executive branch should probably also be the person in charge of our military, you know. And it was always assumed that the president was always going to be someone with some kind of military background, but eventually that changed over the course of history because it wasn't deemed a requirement. Um, What else did George Washington do to really structure our modern-day presidency? Um. Gave up. Oh, a few other fun facts. He he is still the only independent president to ever be elected. He did. He hated the party system. He even claimed at that time that he believed that the party system because he hated the fact that Thomas Jefferson, his secretary of state, and Alexander Hamilton, boom, second time talking about him, um, each believed in in their own ideology, like I was talking about before. Thomas Jefferson believed in states having more power. Hamilton believing the federal government should have more power. And so essentially their ideologies created division within the cabinet of George Washington's cabinet. And they essentially formulated the first political parties that we have now. Um, They're nothing like they are today. They were, uh, I think the Federalist Party and the Populist Party, I think the two. And I think Federalist was um, Hamilton and then the Populist was... Jefferson, I can't remember what they were, uh, the two original parties. Um, But George Washington hated it. He tried so hard to get his staff, his like cabinet to not really start this whole party system. He really believed that, you know, 
we should elect officials based off of just what they're bringing to the table. Oh, also, George Washington started the whole idea of having a cabinet in the first place. Like, that wasn't in the Constitution, I don't believe. Or if it was, it was because it was his idea because he believed in having experts, surrounding himself with experts in specific fields because he knew a president just didn't know everything. And the country needed to be led by leaders that were informed leaders. And so it was his idea to have, you know, cabinet members pretty much that were supposed to be experts in their specific fields. Um, again, one of his ideas. But yeah, he was the only, uh, to this day, the only independent president we've ever had and the only president to ever be um, unanimously voted in. So 13 out of the 13 colonies voted him to be the first president of the United States. Never happened ever again. <laughs> so he's a, I mean, that's why he's considered one of the best presidents in our history. I mean, obviously he was the first and the presidency really was developed around his, his, the idea of him. And so that's why I, and the reason why I know so much of this history is because I, I do, I'm very proud of being an American. I think a lot of people, especially nowadays, it's very sad that people just don't appreciate what it means to be an American. And I loved reading the struggles and, and just how brilliant these people were back then that formulated, um, you know, our laws, the original structure of our government. To this day, the idea of America is based off of what these people wrote into the Constitution. The Constitution is the law of the land. Like, wrap your mind around that. Everything that, all your rights, everything that you can do or can't do is all based off of this paper that was formulated 200 and what? This is 250 years ago, pretty much. So it's it's just wild to think that that's how smart these people were. They they I mean our whole government is based off of the structure that these guys put in place. Um but it sucks at the same time because this is where and George Washington, sorry, I didn't I didn't finish. George Washington, I'll get to that what I was about to say in just a second. He to this day was one of I think he for a long time was the my my favorite non-fictional person to ever look up to. When I just reading his stories and and just reading how brilliant of a person he, of, he was and how if it wasn't for his leadership roles, we would have lost the Revolutionary War. I mean, during the course of that that war, we were wanting to a lot of soldiers, they were fighting, not getting paid. They were starving. They were dying from disease, from winter periods. And George Washington was the guy that held this all together because people just believed in Washington. That's how great of a person he was. It's just like the country believed in this man. And, and it's sad because I feel like we've only had a handful of presidents where people felt that strongly about their, their leader. Like, unanimously. It wasn't like one party believed in that person and no, and the other party didn't. No, I'm talking about everyone looked up to George Washington. There, uh, during the Articles of, of Confederation, the reason uh, that one of the signs that, that it showed that it wasn't going to work out was there was a huge rebellion going on called the Shays Rebellion, and it was due to taxes being done, uh, imported or being placed on whiskey, I believe it was. And so this guy by the last name of Shay, I forget his first name, started a rebellion and pretty much took over a whole town and 
the state didn't know what to do. They didn't really have a militia to really take care of the situation. And so that was one of the, that was like the last straw to show that the Articles of Confederation weren't working. And so the Constitution, right when the Constitution was enacted, George Washington was our, our commander in chief and pretty much said, I'm going to take the Minutemen and I'm going to, you know, defeat this rebellion. So I'm going to march in. And to this day, he's the only president to ever march into battle, per se. It wasn't really a battle, but to prepare himself to march into battle. And he rode in on a horse. He had the military behind him. And the rebellion didn't even want to fight against him. They looked up to Washington. They just stopped. No no one had to die in that, in that rebellion. And it's just... It's wild to read the history of this person, but there's just one part. It just ruins it for me, and it it creates so much confusion. And it's because of the fact that he was a slave owner, and a lot of founding members were slave owners. And one of the things I did not know, so I, I've known a lot of the stories of a lot of founding members, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, James Madison, John Adams, uh, like a lot, but I'm not going to lie. Alexander Ham- Hamilton. The only thing I knew was a, he was the secretary of treasury for George Washington B uh, or actually I should probably not bring that up. If you haven't seen Hamilton, I mean, honestly, you should know your history. It's, it, it sucks. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say it. If this is some kind of realization to you and you've never heard of this, you need to start learning American history. It's very important that you learn our history. Um, so you can grasp just the controversies and, and just what it means to be an American. We need to be proud of being Americans. The, the more we lose this pride, the more and more other countries are going to jump ahead of us. And the more and more our military is going to lose its strength because less people are going to be appreciative of what it means to be an American. It just, we're losing it. I feel like over time, just people are just slowly losing the meaning of what it means to be an American. I feel like it should be a forced requirement for field trips to go make a pilgrimage to the Library of Congress and all the different monuments at, at the mall. That's what the area is called in Washington, where there's like all these different monuments. People should go over there and really just look at just our history. Look at the, the Declaration of Independence because it's on display. Look at the Constitution. Look at our Bill of Rights and 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 know these by heart and. I used to walk around with my Bill of Rights on me. I need to buy another one. Every time I go to DC, I always buy like a little, you can always buy them in little books and keep them on you. But I need to, I need to, I'm going to buy one on Amazon actually after this podcast. I need to always carry one. But um, yeah, it, it just sucks because I feel over time more and more people are just losing the, the meaning of what it means to be an American. And I mean that we'll have to talk about that probably tomorrow because ultimately uh, I'm being a hypocrite as well because I do believe that the world should really work together to to eventually work towards being kind of one nation of of humans. We should all look at each other just the same and be governed as one. But I mean we're talking about utopia and that's that's far away. But until then, I think we should <laughs> we should be proud of being Americans. But yeah, it just sucks because. Um, you know, in the, in a Hamilton play it really talks about, it emphasizes how Alexander Hamilton was just very against slavery. 
And I at the time, I didn't know if it was just because of the play that that was the thing. So I read into the history actually, actually after watching the play on Disney+. Plus, and it's true. I mean, from the very beginning, he wasn't a perfect person. And so this is where it makes it very difficult for me to really decide on an, a non-fictional person to really look up to. Um, was like, he, he wasn't perfect himself. He was, supposedly there was rumors that he cheated on his wife multiple times, even including with her older sister. And he was a womanizer, I guess. And, oh, and by the way, the thing I wanted to bring up, the second point, man, I'm all over the place on this podcast today. History. I just, I could talk about it all day long. But uh, Alexander Hamilton was killed by, um, by, what is that? William Burr? Was his last name? What? Man, Burr, Hamilton. Aaron Burr. Damn it. Ugh. Anyways, so Aaron Burr killed Alexander Hamilton, and it you know you'll see this in the play, but um, essentially they dueled each other, and that was like an old thing they used to do back in the day. Whenever there was a like you ever felt disrespected, and it was technically against the law to do it, but I don't. It was just like a, a European tradition where if two aristocrats were like they felt like the other person tarnished their name or disrespected who they were. They would propose a duel to each other, and essentially they would grab a pistol, walk like a certain amount of steps away from each other, and then turn around and, and shoot. And essentially Aaron Burr killed Hamilton, which is kind of crazy. But a lot of people believe that Alexander Hamilton was not well, – they don't believe. This guy contributed towards a document called the Federalist Papers – and it was like 80 pages and it was the idea of how the constitution should be interpreted or actually, sorry, the ideas in the federalist papers really led to the creation of the constitution and it's, and the way it's made today. And so when people are trying to figure out kind of the, the context of the constitution, because it's not, it's a, it's written in old English and B um, it's very vague in certain areas. So sometimes what people do and, and historians, what they'll do is they'll, ref, they'll reflect off of the Federalist Papers because they know a lot of the Constitution was based off of this book and to kind of bring clarity to some parts of the Constitution. But essentially, Alexander Hamilton wrote about two-thirds of that book himself. So his contributions are vast to the Constitution. Um. He he believed that uh, we should have like a, a a federally like recognized like central bank to manage like debts owned by owed to countries and and to be able to pay for certain obligations to states and to help out with a lot of different issues and I mean that didn't happen until literally 150 years later with the the form of the central bank but he did start one of the first you know federal banks which was the U S Bank I think it was called but. And so that's why I knew he was like the secretary of treasury and I knew some of the achievements he had, but I never knew this whole aspect because I, at the time I just felt like almost every founding member or founding father um, to, to our country pretty much owned slaves. I think it was just the normality that was pressed upon them at the time. It's just a sad part of history and it's just, you know, essentially the the crazy thing to know was that there were people then that knew that it was bad. Even George Washington not that I'm defending the fact that he owns the slaves because when he passed away, he had about 
150 of his own slaves and about 200 that were um that he had because of his wife um so he had like 300 slaves at, at, you know when he passed away but he he privately because at the time slavery was very i mean obviously it was still controversial because that controversy after a hundred years of our country being, you know, a, a country, we finally fought a war against ourselves like, about slavery. So uh, still the South needed slavery or their, I, they, they thought they needed slavery for like their crops and, and everything of that nature. And the North, you know, obviously had their other means of, of generating wealth. And so Washington was in a position where, a lot of his wealth came from, you know, pl- his plantation that he had. And so it just sucks that that, like, this guy's track record was just perfect. All, you know, everything about him was just so great. And then it's just tarnished by the fact that this guy just had slaves. Even though he privately discussed that slavery should be abolished, and he had it in his will that when he passed away that his slaves would be freed, Um he still had them. He, in his defense, he inherited a lot of them from the passing of his parents, but he still could have freed them technically, but he didn't. Um, but Hamilton was someone that truly fought for um, abolishing slavery, which I think also made him a controversial controversial figure at the time. But I'm in a position where like I can't even not like switch my non-fictional because when I read Hamilton's story and after doing more research on him, a lot of like the things that he found of interest, I did as well. But the whole aspect that he was um he still had skeletons in his closet, it just made me realize it's like I there's so many people I would I would like to look up to, but they all have their skeletons. It's like ultimately when do you draw the line on on the the person that you would want to look up to, you know, a historical figure, because they all have done some form of bad thing. I mean, even Abraham Lincoln abused the powers of his presidency, and pretty much the the way they won the Civil War was because they knew they had more people than the South did, and so Abraham Lincoln allowed Ulysses S. Grant to pretty much. The only reason Grant was a great general is because he knew he, out of all the other generals during the Civil War, he knew that they had more people than the South. So eventually the South would just run out of people. So the idea was just throw numbers at it. Oh, they have 10,000 people? Fine, we'll throw 30,000 people. Oh, we lost you know twice as many people? Who cares? We have more people. And Abraham Lincoln supported that because from the very beginning, he knew that he would win the war if he just used a population because they had more people. That is... I mean, it's horrible to think like that. I mean, so many people died during the Civil War. And Grant was just a sick individual that just threw numbers at the problem instead of being a a tactician. I mean, he was the only tactic he had was the fact that he just was (laughs) willing to just sacrifice so many people to win this war. And at the same time, Abraham Lincoln abused a lot of his powers as well. He imprison people without habeas corpus i mean he like literally just a lot of things he he did weren't right but at the same time he ended slavery 
And so, I mean, I don't know. That in a subject, like, I'm trying to think of a historical figure. Like, Albert Einstein is great, but he was also, I think, someone that, like, cheated on his significant other a lot. I mean, Martin Luther King did, too. I mean, I don't know if this is a thing with great people that they all have to just, uh, they do that aspect. Um, but essentially when you look at the, the, the history of people, there's always, when you, when you read an autobiography, you always learn that there's just stuff about them that is just goes against your character or who you would want to look up to. So, I mean, this podcast is very confusing because I'm just left to be confused about this historical figure that I've looked up to a majority of my life and how, I'm really challenging that the idea of, of George Washington because of the fact that he had slaves and it sucks because I mean, this country wouldn't even be the country. We wouldn't even, I wouldn't even be in a position to talk about this if it wasn't for Washington. But now that I am in a position, I have to reflect on, on what he did. And it's just, it's, it sucks that we're in a position where like, even if you go to DC, a majority of Washington DC was built by slaves. And it's just like, it's, it just sucks that that's a part of our history. It just it's it just stinks that you know there's no way we can ever fix that. It's just something that we'll always have, and um, yeah, it just sucks that a lot of the things that as a kid I I I enjoyed reading about, like the Civil War and all of these things, was built on the idea that slaves were just treated so horribly just a horrible period in our history. The first hundred years of American history really is some of the most amazing history ever. Like how we uh, pretty much developed as a country, but at the same time, just all the, like the, the poor people that just had to die and suffer because of that. It's just, I don't know. It's so confusing. It's like, if you, if you enjoy history, it's like, how do you look at that? It's like, what does it mean to be an American then? Like if, if like I, I talked about it before, like how we should be appreciative of the fact of who we are and to know our history, but to know our history is also to know just how dark of a history it was. But I mean, I guess it's good to know that as well. Um, anyways, I don't know where I'm going with this. This, this started off with me just wanting to talk about how amazing that the Hamilton play was. But really, after watching the play and reading about Alexander Hamilton and reading about how he um, was, you know, he he believed in an idea that most people didn't agree with at the time, and that that was a great idea about him. And a lot about of our uh, of our country is you know from ideas that he came up with. It just sucks because you know even. He isn't an innocent person or or a perfect person. What am I to say that? I mean, no one's perfect. I'm not even perfect as well. We all have done wrongs in our lives. But um, anyways, I hate to end a podcast on that note. It's just just something to think about to, to, to evolve on. It would be something that I would love to have someone else's discussion on this. This is probably something that I should have had a guest on for. Um, which still working on that. It's it's been a struggle to try to get <laughs> to try to get this organized. Either way, no matter what, I'm going to stick to the format for Monday. 
um, where I'm just going to keep the podcast short. This is going to be one of my last long podcasts. I just looked, it's 35 minutes long. Jeez. Can you imagine that next week? That's going to be three days worth of podcast. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but it's going to take a lot of practice. Anyways, I'm going to end it on that note. Uh, I am proud to be an American. Uh, I, I, um, I think more people need to be as well. But it's also you have to realize that what it means to be an American, it's also to understand our history and, and understand why some people are frustrated now because their history for the longest of time has been built on all of this suffering pretty much. And so I, I still believe and I always will believe in, in the Black Lives Matter movement and and we need to we need to fight for every minority and or every race every race just needs to fight for equality all of them every one of them if you feel like you're suppressed you need to look reflect on yourself and reflect on society is are are your oppressive views of others making those people view you differently if we all viewed each other as just humans we wouldn't have this perspective where we would even have to think of someone as as an african american or as uh um a Hispanic or as a Caucasian, those words would disappear. Why, why do we even have to have race as a, a discussion? Wow. Like that's great for, if you want to reflect on your own history, but when you're out in public, it should not be race should not be something I have to put on a piece of paper or be brought up. Like it should just be like who we are as individuals, what we've done, what we plan on doing. I don't know. It's just, I don't think any of this will ever end until that disappears, like off of sheets, off of everything. Just people just need to be viewed as equals. Just stop oppressing on people. But anyways, um, I'll end it on that note, you know, that, that, that in itself is a beautiful message that we can all appreciate. And if it takes looking at this dark history to, to better fight or to fight for that realization, then I guess, you know, ultimately, that's the only way to look at that that glass half full is to to appreciate where we're going with this and and the fighting that we're going to be doing for it. But anyways, until tomorrow, guys, I will catch you manana. Peace.